Still trying to herd all those ducks into a nice neat row before you get started with your business or project? Maybe you've already started, but your fear is stopping you from up-leveling. Or maybe you've spent your life saying yes to everyone else, but committing to yourself is still on your to-do list. Hi, I'm Claire Barton, and I'm a recovering perfectionist too. Welcome to the show where I share simple, practical, and mindset tips to get you doing work you're passionate about, making the money you want, and spending your time and energy building your dream lifestyle. Hey, Recovering Perfectionist, it's Claire here, and today I am welcoming a very special person. Her name is Anna Newman, and she's a psychologist who's been specializing in working with women with perfectionism um, for the last seven years. So it's pretty exciting to speak to an actual specialist in a psychologist um, on the show. Welcome to the Recovering Perfectionist, Anna. Thank you, Claire. Very happy to be here. That's yeah, awesome. Awesome, we finally got here. So um, we were just talking about before we started recording that um, most of the apps on the show are um, anecdotally, we talk to people who um, identify as, as perfectionists or recovering perfectionists or who have had blocks around perfectionism that have stopped them getting somewhere in their life or their business in the past, whether it's in their personal life, their bodies, their business, their career, that sort of thing. Um, but it's a real treat to actually talk to someone about the science and the psychological kind of um, aspect of, um, of perfectionism as well. It's something that I generally steer well clear of because it's not my, it's not my specialty, obviously, hashtag not a doctor um, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, welcome. I, I'll hand over to you to give us a bit of a a um, bit of your story and a bit of your background and how you came into you know being specialising in um, in this area. Sure. So when I finished my um, psychology master's degree, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and um, this opportunity came up to work with women with postnatal depression. And so I'm like, yep, great, I'll do that. And then I noticed that they all had this perfectionistic personality type. And I just kept hearing it over and over again. And it was really causing them a lot of struggles with motherhood. Um, so this is where it first kind of came up to my attention. Um, also on the kind of personal side, around the age of 30, I experienced a lot of burnout. And I couldn't find any help in the medical profession um, to help me recover from this. Um, you know, it was always like, I'll go on antidepressants or have a rest or this or that. And I'm like, well, that's not satisfactory. So I had to go on my own healing journey. And what I uncovered um, through unraveling all these perfectionistic habits that led me up to that point. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think, um, you know, one thing that we do talk about a lot and one thing that I would agree seems to be quite a, um, a common thing is that there's often a catalyst that kind of makes us go, okay, I need to stop this shit. I need to stop doing the perfectionist thing and trying to be, you know, the people pleaser, the yes person, doing all the things and keeping all the balls in the air and that sort of thing. Um, and yet often it is career related or health related or becoming a mum. Um, that's certainly what it was for me and I've told the story a thousand times I won't bore everyone with it again but I definitely had moments where I was beating myself up because of this thin layer of dust I could see at four o'clock on the from where I was sitting feeding my baby on the couch I could see this thin layer of dust on the tv cabinet and was just beating myself up about it for weeks on end going oh my gosh I still haven't dusted that bloody thing and then going what the hell Claire you've kept a baby alive with postnatal depression and baby illnesses and failure to thrive and all this other stuff get over it it's just dust sort of thing so it was definitely kind of the start of it for me as well so okay. yeah, it sounds like a very common <laughs> kind of thing awesome all right so I guess um, one thing that I'm interested to um, to kind of you know hear from you is 
Um, and one thing that you've talked about um, before is, is what kind of causes it? Like where does perfectionism come from, especially with women who, um, you know, have got lots of things going on, whether it's business or career, babies, um, or not babies, relationships, all that sort of thing. Like where does, where does it actually kind of come from? Um, so there's more than one cause, obviously. Um, there's the way that we're parented, there's definitely uh, culture, like the way that women are socialised in this culture, and there's also trauma. So these all have an impact. Um, especially And culture I especially like to talk about because, you know, we're kind of socialised to be the good girl, the nice girl, um, to, you know, be polite, to be meek. Um, and there's a lot of pressure, like, to fit into all these different kind of roles. And if we step outside of these roles, then we get judged so harshly. Um, so I think there's a lot of women just like really scared and worried, you know, I've got to do the right thing or I'm going to get judged. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I, I think I would, I personally would agree with it as well. And there's a lot of stories, again, you know, from people I've spoken to on the show about um, whether it was a, a parent and especially with parents and I've had conversations I did a presentation on the recovering perfectionist at seven sisters festival a few years ago and there was some really amazing conversations that kind of came up and um, one thing that I noticed was that there were a lot of young women um, who were saying you know my, my parents especially my dad but not always um, had massive expectations and there was a lot of pressure to perform academically as well as on the sports field as well as like you said, being the good girl, being nice, being polite, helping your mother, all that sort of thing. Um, and the way that I, I find it really interesting, the way that a lot of people describe that, but they're still really defensive of, oh no, but they were, they were, they just wanted the best for me, or like it's it's this weird kind of paradigm where it's caused so much angst and so much um, pressure and so much whatever, but also they don't necessarily see it as a bad thing. Is that is that a thing as well? Yeah, well, a, a lot of people don't don't you know they don't want their parents demonized. Like they come mm. to therapy and you know they 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 want to talk a little bit about their parents, but they're also like very protective of them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I guess that like I think you know a lot of us are like that. Some people are willing to totally you know thrash their parents and that sort of thing. But a lot of us, you know, we know that all the stuff that um, there's a little bit of trauma or resentment or whatever. You know, parents and whoever was you know the influences they were doing it from a place of love and they just wanted the best for us and all of that sort of thing. So, how do you kind of reconcile that? I guess when you're trying to move past it and trying not to worry about being perfectionist and all of these sort of things, but it's kind of ingrained in you and you still have that um, desire to sort of impress those people who've installed it in you in the, in the beginning. You mean your parents, you still have a desire to impress your parents? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that kind of needs to be worked through because, you know, part of the teenage rebellion is, um, you know, it's a normal phase of development where we rebel against our parents' expectations and stuff like that. And what often happens is that stage doesn't actually become resolved in people. Mm. They're still trying to get that approval. But, um, you know, successful adolescence is about breaking away from your parents' expectations and forming your own identity. <laughs> That's so terrifying. My kids are 10 years away from it yet, but it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come knocking on your door closer to the time. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if, like, if, you're, if people are still trying to get their parents' approval, they haven't possibly haven't quite resolved their adolescence sure yeah well that's interesting um <laughs> that feels like a bit of a thing so um yeah I think I 
I mean, to, to, I guess, explain a bit of, not even explain a heap of my story, but in my sort of thing, I, I know a lot of perfectionism has come in very different ways from my mom and my dad. And whilst I'm not actively trying to impress anyone, I still really enjoy like the pat on the back or the well done, or I'm proud of you or those sorts of things. Um, and sometimes <laughs> when I stuff up, I think, oh God, and I've got like one of my parents on, on my shoulder, not even necessarily being critical, but I can just see and hear what they would probably say if they could see this stuff up that I've just made today sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so is that, is that like a, an inner, like an inner critic kind of thing coming out that we've just attached a voice to or is that actually unresolved shit with our parents? Same. It's both. Yeah, um, right. So if you have a critical parent, you'll internalise that. So you'll internalise your own inner critic. So they'll be there. They'll end up, the critic will be there when your parent's not there. Okay. So what I encourage people to do is to create like another voice on the on their other shoulder, which argues with the inner critic. Okay. Hey, no, that's not right. Or shut up or something. <laughs> the mouthy version. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I really like that, actually. Um, I talk often about, um, I can't remember who I initially heard this analogy from. Um, I can't think who it was. Um, but we talked about, like, who's driving the bus? So, you know, you've got all, your, all of your inner critics and all of your inner perfectionists and all of these, you know, parts of your personality who are on the bus. And it depends, you know, which one's kind of driving the bus and which one's up the back sucking their thumb and which one's trying to navigate and give directions and, you know, making room for all of those parts of your persona and, and you know being a bit more decisive about who gets to run the show and that sort of thing yeah and um you know it makes me think about meditation because you know when when we're learning to meditate it's about letting those thoughts go and not getting caught up in them and I think it's the same with the inner critic like it, you know it, if just because it's there do you have to listen to it sure are you, gonna, are you gonna let it hold you back or yeah gonna kind of say oh yeah that's nice dear <laughs> <laughs> it's Exactly. Throw her, throw a piece of candy and she can go and sit in the corner and chew on that for a little bit. <laughs> awesome. So how do you see, I mean, on obviously a lot of people, um, you know, all the people that I work with are women who run their own business. Usually they're solopreneurs. Sometimes they've got a small team. Sometimes they're in startups. Sometimes they're more established and that sort of thing. So in that sort of demographic, how do you see perfectionism showing up? What sort of things, you know, how is it manifesting in their sort of daily life with those sort of people? Well, I'm I'm not a business coach, so I'm not sure if I can answer that. You work with, with women who are in that sort of space, though, in terms of like their career and does it, does it sort of hold them back with getting started or getting finished or being... Yeah, um, there's, there's a lot of procrastination going on. Yeah, okay, yeah. And where does that come from? What's procrastination actually? What is it actually? Well, I think it's overwhelm and anxiety, like, oh, my God, I've got these million things to do and I've got to do them all really well or, you know, I'm, I can't even start, you know, and if it's, got, it's got to be done perfectly or it's not even worth trying. Yeah, 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 I think that's a big one. I think, um, you know, we talk a lot about, again, on the show, that a lot of um, procrastination is actually kind of fear because we think it's like if I can't do it perfectly, I might as well not do it at all. Or if I don't know exactly what the end product needs to look like or is going to look like and exactly the steps of getting there, it's too hard basket and I won't oh, even kind of get Yeah. I fail. Oh, my God. What if I make a mistake? Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and people might know that I'm not perfect. Yeah, and then that's <laughs> embarrassing and that's when the, all the shame kicks in. Yeah, sure. So shame is a big thing around perfectionists, right? 
Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. So um, you've already mentioned like coming up with a, um, you know, the antidote to the, the critic on your other shoulder. What other sort of, I guess, tips and takeaways can, can you give, obviously, without being in the therapy room or anything like that, but as a general thing that tends to help a lot of people in that space, what sort of other things can we kind of be doing? Um, well, with procrastination, I'm a really big fan of the mini goal. Okay. So if you've got all these overwhelming things that, you know, you need to do and you're kind of just paralysed, it's breaking it down into the tiniest, tiniest step yep. until, until it's small enough that you'll take action. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then that kind of builds momentum. Yeah. So, for example, oh, my God, I've got like this essay or paper that I need to write and it's too overwhelming and I can't get started. Okay, what what's my mini goal? Okay, I'm just going to like open a Word document. Yeah. And then you open the document. Okay, what's my next mini goal? Okay, well, I'm just going to type my name. And then what's my next mini goal? I'm just going to write the title. And then I'm just going to write a few ideas. And before you know it, you're doing it. Right. Yeah, so I like that's even breaking it down so much further than I would always be like, yeah, I thought you were going to say just write the introduction or just write the first paragraph or something. But actually the mini goal is open a Word document and go mm-hmm. make some coffee. <laughs> well, as small as you need it to be to get yeah, coffee. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you find that when people are in that um, overwhelm kind of phase that they can see what they need to be doing but they just don't do it? Or is it like a they, they kind of need the accountability or someone to help them break it down? They can't see the forest for the trees. It's like all or nothing. I think it depends on the person. Yeah. Um, I think if they knew about the mini goal, then they probably wouldn't need help. They'd be able to do it for themselves. Yeah, yeah know that strategy and it's so basic but it's really really effective yeah right yeah awesome and what about finishing we often talk about um sometimes the perfectionism stops you from starting something but even once you've started something um and i know i was very guilty when i first started my business that i would start lots of things and i had so many unfinished things unfinished blogs unfinished courses um, I'd done videos, but I hadn't done anything with them. And, you know, I just had all of this stuff that I'd started and I'd put some love into, but it never got to be, you know, um, in front of anyone. Yeah. So I had trouble finishing and partly the finishing, but partly the getting it in front of people because what if it fails? What if it looks, what if I look stupid? What if it doesn't work? What if it does work and I get too busy and I blah, 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 mm. all of that sort of thing. So what about, like, do you find there's a... Um, a process or a system that people can take to make sure that if they've started something that they are more likely to actually finish it and put it out into the world? Yeah, so there's a lot in that example. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pull that one apart. Um, yeah, so one, like I'm a big fan of quotes and someone gave me one a few years ago which was putting 80% of something out there is better than 100% of nothing. Yeah, right. So, and and also, you know, kind of getting yourself out of the way. Like, if you don't put anything out, then you're helping no one. Mm. Um, and I recently did a video about what you just said, like, what if everybody hates it, you know? Um, you know, because that's a big fear that a lot of us have. Like, yeah. if I put myself out there, what if nobody likes it? What if everybody hates me? <laughs> and, you know, like, how realistic is that? You know, maybe some people will hate it and some people will love it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And you're never going to be all things to all people and all that sort of thing. Hey, um, it's, it's been, I, I reckon I've had this conversation a thousand times with different people, but it's been probably the biggest lesson for me um, since I started my business and since I've been running the podcast and speaking to people about it is 
um, this idea of the like the more authentic that you are, the more people you'll ma- the more of the right people you'll magnetize, and the more of the wrong people you'll repel. And yeah. when I first heard that years ago, I was mortified. Like it made me feel almost nauseous at the idea of repelling someone, at the idea of someone going, "Oh yeah, I hear what she has to say, and I disagree, and I don't like it, and I don't like her, so I'm never speaking to her." That just made me feel like, mm. "Oh my gosh, I failed as a human being," sort of thing. Mm. Um, but the more that I've had experience with trying to push the people and the relationships and the experiences and the interactions with people that I know are repellent and that are repellent to me, but I'm almost like the more repellent they are, the harder I try to win them over sort of thing. But the more that I've had those interactions and allowed myself to go, actually, this is no good. This is, this is not what I need. And it's not leaving enough space for the good stuff. The easier it's kind of gotten to stand more in that, like, this is me, this is, you know, what's and all sort of thing come along and play or go away. It doesn't really bother me sort of thing. Is that, is that a big part of it? Like the, the understanding who you are and being okay with the warts and all stuff? Well, I mean, I think what you've given is a really great example of how you built resiliency to it. You, yeah. you know, you were really, you found it really hard to stomach that idea, but you kind of went with it anyway. Mm. And, um, you kind of, you saw like what happened when you faced that fear. Yeah, yeah, exactly that bad really no exactly and it's you know another thing we talk about i'm just like rehashing everything which is awesome to chat about this with you um is the failing fast and the fear of failure and actually the best thing you can do especially as a perfectionist when you're not used to seeing red crosses and you're not used to seeing you know anything less than 100 percent and all that sort of thing is to actually go out and practice failing and practice getting told no and just kind of start hearing those things a little bit more and realising that no one died, everyone's fine, the light, the world keeps going, no one hates you, they just disagreed with you or whatever. Um, when I was at this Seven Sisters things, I kept saying, I kept kind of getting back to this point and being like, like did you die from that movie The Hangover? And like, if you didn't die, don't worry about it, keep moving, like you're, you're fine, it's, it's all good. But it's almost like you've got to do a heap of those little ones just to build up the trust in that process that, it's going to be okay even if you fail. Yeah, it's really about feel the fear and do it anyway because, you know, <laughs> you know to, to get, take the power out of the fear, you've got to face it. Yeah, right, yeah. And then you build resilience, you know, like in business you've got to build a bit of resilience for rejection. It's just yeah. part of it. And yeah. that was a massive thing for me. Like I couldn't handle rejection at all. I couldn't handle one no. Yes. Um, but you get used to it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you do. And it sort of starts to become not a challenge, but I remember um, hearing someone say when you get your first hater or your first person who asks for a refund or something, you should celebrate it because it means that enough people have seen you, that someone's seen you and it's triggered them for whatever reason, not that it's nice to trigger people, but also it's not you, it's them sort of thing. And it means that you're out there and your people are understanding your message and some people aren't going to like it, but it should be celebrated rather than make you kind of go and, you know, rock yourself to sleep in a corner and cry. And I mean, the first couple of times that I had little icky interactions and nothing that was dreadful, to be totally honest, but being very sensitive and a people pleaser, you know, didn't take much to make me kind of run away freaking out. Um, I kind of went to pieces and I, you know, it really shattered my whole world for a few days until I realised that no one died, everything was fine. I apologised for my mistakes or I you know, made it better as much as I could or I just got okay with going, okay, well, we're not meant to be together basically. <laughs> we're not each other's people and that's okay. So 
yeah, yeah. But, but what sort of things help that like are you is it good to have someone who can kind of call you out on your bullshit with that sort of thing and be like an accountability buddy or is it really about just trying all the different things and seeing what sort of sticks for you both I think you know it always it always helps have support <laughs> yep. it's the right support um but then at the end of the day you've got to do it don't you like yeah. it's about things about building resiliency the fact that life isn't perfect mm. and one phrase that I really like and one of my clients is also really like this is life is a rich tapestry it's messy it's crazy it's beautiful yeah. you know that's what it is in beautiful imperfect kind of mess yeah, right history and you know the more we can kind of build build resiliency to that you know like for me even being late was a massive thing I had no like confidence in myself to be late now I'm like okay (laughs) sometimes I'm just gonna be late yeah I'm human exactly and I think we hold it we hold ourselves to such so much higher standards than we would anybody else. And that was a really big um, thing for me. You know, one thing that someone said to to me, or maybe it was a meme I saw on Facebook years ago, I can't remember, but something along the lines of, um, you know, everything that you expect from yourself and that you say to yourself, would you say that to your best friend? I always get teary just thinking about those words because I was just so mean to myself. I was so nasty to myself. I had so little belief. Um, And if I heard anyone you know, with the ideas or with the worries or the fears or anything that I was having that I was then chastising myself for and I heard someone else saying them, I'd be like, no, nah, should be right. Give it a bash. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Like I, and I honestly believe with regards to everyone else, no, don't worry about it. It should be good. It's all fine. But I was so unforgiving when, I, when it came to doing it for myself. So that was, um, yeah, that was a really big thing for me, just going, oh, I, there's no way that the words would come out of my mouth to anyone, let alone my best friend, that come out of my head towards myself in the mirror sort of thing. And that's interesting because, like, you're really hard on yourself but you don't project that out to other people, whereas some people also project that out to other people. Sure, yeah. Judgment. Like, they're really judgy on themselves and then they'll be really judgy on other women and then it's a suspicious mm. cycle because all these women are, like, worried about being judged by all these other women. <laughs> Yeah, right. And we can be really cruel. Like I think kids can be really cruel to each other, but I, it does surprise me how bitchy and how mean women can be to each other as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I sometimes look at, um, you know, male friendships and how, you know, it just seems like they'll have a jab at each other. If they've got a problem, they'll bring it up and they get over it and then they move on and that sort of thing. Whereas women, I mean, I hope, hopefully that, you know, and I feel really blessed in my, you know, groups of many, many different kind of circles of friends that I don't feel like there's any of that going on. But I'm probably naive to say there's none of that going on because, you know, there's a lot of it going on. It would be, <laughs> you know. Um, but again, I guess it's that resilience and it's kind of like, well, if that's going on, whatever, I don't want to be part of it. And also if that's going on about me, I definitely don't want to be part of it. And my, my um, auntie always used to say, I think she even had it on the wall somewhere, um, what you think of me is none of my business. Yeah, and that quote seems to be doing the rounds again lately um, these days. And I just think it was such a. And I, re- I remember reading that when I was probably I don't know twelve or thirteen. And what a beautiful. And as a you know teenager, I was like, yeah, what you think of me is I don't care what you think of me, which I completely did. But it was a nice phrase to you know spout <laughs> out every now and then. Um, but I think having that in my head somewhere definitely kind of I don't know made things a little bit easier to you know jump over when I kind of needed to so yeah it's it's it is a thing it's hard it's easier said than done right like I still will have a minor meltdown if I think someone doesn't like me until I get my shit back together and realize I don't actually care but there's still a part of me that does and you know you never really 100% get rid of the perfectionist right you kind of just have 
you have ways to manage it. Like for me, um, I don't procrastinate at all anymore. Like I feel the anxiety about things and I want to run away. But now I can go, no, if I procrastinate, the more I procrastinate, the worse I'm going to feel. So let's do my mini goals and deal with this. Yeah, awesome. I love the mini goals. I'm a massive fan of, of breaking everything down and chunking big projects down. Um, and I must admit, I don't probably do it enough for myself unless it's a like strategic business thing. But if it's just something that I'm procrastinating with, I'll usually just put it on my to-do list and then go and do something else instead. So I'm going to give that one a go, especially with non-business stuff. I'm pretty good with the biz stuff, but with the personal things, it's like, nah, I've got to fill out that huge form that feels like way too hard. And I've got to go and find where the form, oh, I'll just put it on the list for another day and it's six weeks later, it's still there sort of thing. So yeah, I might give that a bash. It's nagging you kind of the back of your mind all the time. Like, I haven't done that. I haven't done that. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, I often say, like, my perfectionist, my inner perfectionist, she's not going anywhere. She's quieter these days and she's not, like, we have rules. We have boundaries. She's not allowed in the business. She's not allowed to touch my laptop. She's basically like another child. Mm-hmm. Um, like, my kids aren't allowed to touch my laptop. They're not allowed to talk to me while I'm on a phone call and that sort of thing. So, you know, she's kind of got the same rules. But... There's some things that I kind of half joking and half actually completely mean where I still allow her to do some things. Like she's the one who writes the birthday cards and sends them on time. And she's the one who like keeps the house, like the house is usually pretty tidy and clean. And sometimes she goes a little bit over the top with that sort of thing. But it's like I kind of, I'm, I kind of allow her to do her little perfectionist things in some places. Is that just me like counterbalancing it or making excuses for it or is that cool (laughs) i think it's cool you know because (laughs) miss perfectionism has got some great qualities so use her great qualities you know yeah they're going to help you yeah awesome that's really good to know sometimes i think oh maybe i'm just maybe i'm like going okay well i won't do this perfectly only if i get to do that perfectly oh my gosh that's not that's not the idea but sometimes it's kind of is the idea (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Look, uh, we could talk about this all day. This has been such an interesting chat and it's been so nice to hear, um, you know, a bit more of the scientific and the psychological viewpoint on, so, um, on perfectionism. And I hope it's been super helpful for our listeners as well. Um, so what would you say um, for anyone who's listening who kind of is either like, yep, that's totally me. I need to do something about this ridiculous stuff. Or, um, you know, uh, maybe this is me. I'm not quite sure. Whatever. Have you got any sort of takeaways that people can sort of start to either think about or actions that they can take like now to kind of start moving through some of that stuff? Hmm, That's a really big question. (laughs) (laughs) One action, one thing that you find works kind of really nicely for a lot of people then. I need to use my mini girl. (laughs) Back to the mini girls, break it down. Um, A tip. Um, I guess I'd like to think, um, you know, reflect on, and I know this is a hard question for some women, you know, what is it that you want in life? Yeah. Um, and how's your perfectionism getting in the way of that? Mm. Do you want to do about it? Yeah, yeah. I really like that. One of, um, I've started writing a, um, a book around my experience with this and especially how it comes up in business and that sort of thing. Um, and one of the first suggestions is to make a bit of a, a list of all the things that you haven't done or won't do or don't feel comfortable doing because your inner perfectionist is kind of gatekeeping that and she's saying like, no, we don't do that, i.e. wearing a bikini at the beach or swimming in that beautiful waterfall because you had to wear a bikini or 
um, speaking on stage because you feel like you're not quite sure what your message is or because you don't like how you look and like all those sorts of things. And it's, it's staggering when I've done it myself and, you know, other people I've worked with have done it. And it's just, it's really, I get even teary just thinking about it because there's so many things that I feel like I've missed out on because I was worried about it not being perfect. So I didn't do it at all. And I'm like, God, that's such a shame. It's so, it's such a shame that that's kind of passed by or, you know, it's something that I didn't get to do. Um, or that I didn't get to help other people with, you know, I didn't get to, um, you know, do that sort of thing. So just doing that as a, an, an initial um, activity is really powerful, I think. So you can go, right, enough is enough. Like it, there's no more missing out. I'm not going to let any more time pass by. Yeah, because you want to minimise the amount of time that you're feeling regret or you're, you know, grieving for things you missed out on because, yeah. you know, You've got this beautiful opportunity to enjoy life. So grab by the horns. Yeah. Yeah, what she said. Hashtag what she said. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Honor. And I know you've got a beautiful ebook, a free ebook that's available on your website. So we'll pop the show notes for that in. Um, sorry, we'll pop the link for that into the show notes if anyone wants to go and grab that and contact you um, and follow you around social media and all of that sort of thing. Yep. Um, I think you'll be an awesome person for us to all have in our back pockets on speed dial probably. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Honor. We'll talk again soon. Okay, thanks for having me. Bye. See you.